Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Thursday, December 8th. On this date in 1980, for some, it was the day the music died. On this date, former Beatle John Lennon was shot to death outside his New York City apartment building. Lennon and his wife, Yoko Ono, were returning from a recording session. Lennon was just 40 years old. In lighter news, or heavier, depending on how you look at it, today is National Brownie Day. It's a day to indulge in a rich, chocolatey dessert. Only, don't indulge too much. It's also National Lard Day. Maybe that was intentional scheduling to remind us all to be responsible snackers. Now let's head over to the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center for that forecast. Hey, good morning to you, meteorologist Joey Silvine here. A little bit of patchy fog early this morning. We'll see some morning sunshine give way to an increase in clouds and a very small chance of a shower this afternoon, this evening. Most of you will stay dry. Temperatures will go up in the low to mid-70s today, tomorrow in the 60s. So we're going to start to cool things down as a cold front moves through today. And that means low to mid-60s for the rest of the week, through the weekend, and into early next week as well. We'll also have some small rain chances each day through Sunday as we do bring in a mostly cloudy sky. So more clouds around last warm day today then turning cooler as we head toward the weekend. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast from the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Morning Y'all is sponsored by MUSC Health. Join a team that's changing what's possible. MUSC Health is hiring for all locations and various positions, including radiology, path and lab, maintenance, and a number of other professions. Find out more about the competitive pay rates and benefits or review a more comprehensive list of current openings at muschealth.org careers. MUSC Health, changing what's possible. And here are your news headlines for this Thursday. A crash involving a motorcycle in the Ravenel area has left one person dead. The Charleston County Sheriff's Office says that crash happened just after 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon on Savannah Highway near Overhill Street. Deputies tell us their initial investigation shows the motorcycle was headed north and was in the median passing other traffic when it collided with an SUV that was turning on the highway. According to the sheriff's office, the motorcycle then skid across the lanes and smashed into a Ford pickup. The motorcyclist was taken to MUSC where they died. The Charleston County Coroner's Office has not yet released their name, but officials say they were wearing a helmet. In downtown Charleston, police are investigating a crash involving a pedestrian right in front of the historic city market. Charleston police responded just after 8 o'clock last night to the intersection of Meeting and Market Streets. That area is, of course, uh, it sees a lot of foot traffic throughout the day. Authorities say the pedestrian was taken to the hospital with injuries. The extent of those injuries, as well as the person's identity, have not been released. Well, Somerville police say a student has been arrested in connection to two fires that were started in a high school. Officials with the Somerville Police Department say Somerville High School resource officers found two fires in student restrooms on the first and second floors yesterday. Faculty were able to extinguish both of those fires, and authorities say there was a toilet paper and paper towel uh, that appeared to have been lit in at least one of the fires. The juvenile is now charged with second-degree arson and is being held at the Charleston County Juvenile Detention Center. No injuries were reported. 
Well, today, a jury will begin deciding the fate of a man accused of a 2019 deadly shooting in Charleston. More than three years ago, 41-year-old Timothy Hammond, he died from a gunshot wound after police reports say a fight turned deadly. Shannon Johnson, who was 18 at the time, is now charged with the murder. Yesterday, a jury saw surveillance video of the shooting on Hanover Street from a variety of angles, with some showing a person drawing a gun and firing it. Johnson chose not to testify. Witnesses and investigators took the stand instead. Today, the jury will hear closing arguments and begin deliberations for the case. Disgraced former Lowcountry attorney Alec Murdoch is now set to face a judge tomorrow afternoon in a Colleton County courtroom. Judge Clifton Newman scheduled the hearing and says Murdoch himself must be present. It's not clear what motions will be heard. Murdoch's lawyers have filed many over the last few weeks, including a recent one asking for him to not wear shackles during proceedings where news outlets are present with cameras. Murdoch is charged in the June 2021 murders of his wife Maggie and their youngest son Paul, as well as a number of other financial crimes. When Hurricane Ian swept through South Carolina, the governor's office says it destroyed 17 homes, badly damaged hundreds more, and cost state and local agencies more than $25 million. Individual homeowners and renters and other folks who live here have also felt the impact of the storm on both their finances and other legal matters. Yeah, but now several legal agencies, they're partnering to offer free legal services to people who experience storm-related damages from the hurricane. Molly McBride has more information about how you can get some help. Good morning, Molly. Good morning, Katie. The American Bar Association Young Lawyers Division, the South Carolina Bar, the South Carolina Bar Young Lawyers Division and South Carolina Legal Services are partnering to offer this free assistance, which is designed for people living in Georgetown, Horry and Charleston counties who are unable to afford a lawyer. Examples of services they can provide include helping secure FEMA benefits, assistance with life, medical and property insurance claims, helping with home repair contracts or contractors, replacing wills or other important documents, assisting in consumer protection matters, counseling on mortgage foreclosure problems, and counseling with landlord-tenant problems. I spoke with Taylor Gillum, the president-elect of the SC Bar Young Lawyers Division, who tells me the hotline is open 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on weekdays for hurricane victims to request assistance. When connected to the hotline, callers should say they're looking for disaster-related legal, legal assistance, share a few details about the assistance they need, and specify which disaster-declared county they're located in. Gillum said those who qualify will be matched with one of the over 50 lawyers who are volunteering their time to provide free legal service. We have a wonderful, fantastic bar in this state, uh, a group of dedicated individuals who are more than happy to share their time in order to serve and help others. And that's what makes South Carolina great. One of the many reasons, uh, and I am proud to be a South Carolina lawyer. Victims can also send an email to disasterinfo at scbar.org or request assistance online. For that email and website link, head over to live5news.com and click on this web story. Reporting live in West Ashley, I'm Molly McBride, Live 5 News.
Dr. Anthony Dixon is in his fourth week of being superintendent of the Berkeley County School District and his certification status, well, it's in question. Now, the South Carolina Department of Education says they don't have a superintendent certification on record for Dixon, but the district is saying otherwise. This comes after the school board replaced former superintendent Dion Jackson with Dr. Dixon just a few weeks ago in a 6-3 to three vote. Anna Harris has more on the new findings and what the district has to say in response. BCSD has been a hot topic of conversation these last few weeks. And when I asked them about Dr. Dixon's certifications, they say he definitely has it. I also spoke with officials from the Department of Education on how the certification process works and why there's confusion regarding Dr. Dixon's requirements. According to the State Board of Education regulation on appointment of a superintendent, administrators serving as area or district superintendents for the first time after June 30th, 1968, shall hold a superintendent certificate. When looking up Dr. Anthony Dixon's name in the certification public lookup, no superintendent certification is listed. To receive a superintendent certification, the Department of Education says someone must provide a request, a college transcript, and a verification and recommendation form from their alma mater or from the individual themselves. The Department of Education says they still need Dixon's information from his alma mater, South Carolina State, to fulfill his certification. Katie Tanner, the district's public information officer, provided this statement. It says representatives from the State Department of Education indicated they are only waiting for a receipt of a form from South Carolina State. Once it is completed, his certification will accurately reflect superintendent as a certification field. Tanner also says Dixon was vetted by the School Board Association when becoming a finalist for the position last year. I contacted South Carolina State about these requests, and they say only the Department of Education can answer questions about a student's academics. As of now, the Department of Education does not have those on record. As part of that review, the Office of State Accountability does look at the credentials of educators to determine if they're appropriately certified for the positions they hold. And if there's a finding, of course, that would be communicated with the district and they would work with the district on a plan to ensure that there's a, a, steps are being taken to, to remedy any deficiencies. For more information on regulations and to read the full statement from BCSD, you can visit this web story on live5news.com. In Monk's Corner, Anna Harris, Live 5 News. Right now, more than 60% of public school students in South Carolina qualify for free or reduced cost meals. Starting next year, Lexington County State Senator wants every student in the state to eat for free at school. Republican Senator Katrina Sheely, she says she's requested a report on how much it would cost to do this. Hundreds of thousands of South Carolina kids have a family income that qualifies them for free or reduced price meals, which the federal government pays for. Now, not all school districts go through the process of applying for free meals for every student, but this bill would require those schools and districts to do that and would guarantee students would have at least 20 minutes every day for lunch. Then the state would cover the remaining cost to ensure every student eats for free at school. A lot of studies have been able to indicate that children who are not um, from homes who have consistent access to meals really uh, their academic performance can be can suffer um, because they're not receiving proper nutrition on a consistent basis. Lawmakers will not be able to take this bill up and debate it until the new legislative session begins next month. 
Well, power has been restored for thousands in North Carolina. The power went out over the weekend after someone fired shots from a high-powered rifle at two substations. Authorities have beefed up security around those substations, and so far no suspects are in custody. But newly released evidence could offer key clues as to who caused that outage. Multiple law enforcement sources say the attacker left behind nearly two dozen shell casings. And with that new evidence, investigators can also now pinpoint firing positions and ballistic testing could lead to a match to other crime scenes. Police are also offering a $75,000 reward for information that leads to an arrest. Meanwhile, here in our state, someone opened fire near a Duke Energy facility at Watery Hydro Station in the Midlands. According to CBS News, the person pulled up in a truck outside the facility in Ridgeway, that's near Columbia, around 5.30 yesterday evening. That's when they opened fire using what appeared to be a long gun and then sped away. Several Duke Energy employees witnessed the event, but no one was injured. In a statement, Duke Energy says it's working closely with the FBI to investigate the issue. No outages have been reported. The Charleston County Criminal Justice Coordinating Council is hosting its last Community Justice Forum of the Year. Yeah, community officials, they say they'll be informing the community of their rights if charged with a crime. Our Lauren Quinlan joins us now. So, Lauren, what's different about this meeting versus their previous ones? Good morning. Good morning, Katie. Officials tell me there will be a Spanish interpreter at this event because they've gotten feedback from the community that there was a great need for Spanish representation. Ellen Steinberg, director of the Criminal Justice Coordinating Council, has worked as a prosecutor, defense attorney, and magistrate judge. Steinberg says she can't stress enough the importance of people understanding their constitutional rights. And with the Spanish-speaking population continuing to grow in the Charleston area, the CJCC is making it a point to provide inclusive resources for all community members. Now, with the help of an interpreter, attorneys will be presenting their program to attendees, which is something they've never done before. We want our community to feel comfortable and understand what their rights are. We want safety and justice in our community. And in order to do that, people need to know that if they're being stopped by a police officer, that what their rights are, how to, how to handle it, what to do, what not to do. This community event is free, but you will need to register. It's today from 6 to 7 p.m., and you can join from the comfort of your own home because it will be through Zoom. Now, Steinberg says there will be time for questions after the presentation, but if people have further questions, they can reach out by email. Now, Steinberg says they're looking to meet people where they are and build trust within the Spanish-speaking community here. And all that information, the email, and also the link to register will be on this story on our website. Reporting for Live 5 News, I'm Lauren Quinlan. Celebrating birthdays today, actress Terry Hatcher is 58, singer Sinead O'Connor is 56, and Albert from Little House on the Prairie, actor Matthew Laborteau is also 56. Thanks for joining us for Morning Y'all from Live 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Morning Y'all, produced every weekday morning and sponsored by MUSC Health. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen anytime at live5news.com slash podcasts. And download the free Live 5 News app for your mobile device for the latest local news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.